Welcome everyone out there in podcast land. This is Bill and Kate, both sides of the medication cart. The story of the girl most likely to succeed to be the next grand dame of Canadian theatre, only to find herself on the wrong side of the medication cart in long-term psychiatric care. Well, like I said, this is both sides of the medication cart, and I am Bill, and over the other side of the cart there is my wife, mother of my children, and my best friend, Kate. Hiya. Hello there. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Good. So here we are, another podcast, continuing the story of you, the girl, Kate the Great, who is going <laughs> to conquer the world doing theatre and television and change everyone's opinion about women in, in the arts and... And what happened was you ended up on the wrong side of the medication cart in a psychiatric hospital. I did indeed. And this podcast is an ongoing story of me trying to figure out why, because someone so talented like yourself, uh, having been told you were going to be well-known, not necessarily famous, but Mm -hmm. well-known to the general public in your field of of arts, which was theatre, and then you ended up on the wrong side of the cart. I did. I did indeed. So we're still trying to figure (laughs) out why. The last time we spoke, um, it was quite horrific that they, you were having a nice meal with your sister and then you found yourself chained, physically chained and restrained to a bed, mm-hmm. uh, in, injected with various chemicals to keep you calm because you've been really disruptive on the ward. And then they took you out of the chains and took you back onto the general ward. That's right. Talk me through that scenario. Well, I, it basically was a stepped... Um process to get me back onto the ward so initially I was contained to my bedroom and had to wear my pajamas when I came out for meals and then gradually I was allowed back on the ward and then you know we went to ward meeting and at ward meeting we would make our requests and so I would request to go up a level a stage as they were called I asked to be on stage two which meant that I could go anywhere in the hospital so I would be allowed to go down to the shop and so they gave me stage two and then later that week I'd been a good girl so I asked if I could be on stage three and um, stage three meant that I could go anywhere on hospital grounds so I was now able to go for a walk which was really nice even though it was starting to become winter Um, and, uh, that's about as far as I got. Stage four is where you can go anywhere, anywhere in the community. You're allowed off hospital grounds. I never got that far and I didn't really need it. The, some of the patients would use stage four privileges to go to a movie, you know? Yeah. Let me get back to why you're in hospital. You've got to earn the right. There's a kind Mm -hmm. of, the rules are you have to be good one day and then you get this and then you get that and then you get the other. Um, you'd never been through that process before. Well, no, because I'd always been on a high stage. I'd always been high-functioning, healthy, well, allowed all the privileges and whatnot. But this time um, I had come in and I was really unwell. You know, I, as, I, as I said before, I had very little memory of it, but I was apparently behaving inappropriately was the great term that I came to know, inappropriate behavior, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't necessarily mean that I was being um, sexually inappropriate or anything like that, but I was invading people's space i was hugging people i was um, talking really loudly and uh, so that's when they came to the conclusion that i would need to be restrained we touched on this last time uh quite interesting that a lot of the memory of that journey mm-hmm. is anecdotal yes it's, it's, other people it's what told other people me. have told yeah. you 
Uh, and and we know, I know as a storyteller myself, and you're a storyteller, that sometimes anecdotes can get exaggerated for the sake of effect. Sure. Do you think that anything that you were told about your behaviour was exaggerated? No. (laughs) (laughs) It was just what other patients told me, what my mum and my sister told me, what the nursing staff told me and whatnot. And it's funny because I wasn't that curious as to find out why have you done this to me? Why have you done this to me? I was just more interested in how do I get out of this, you know? And so they told, that's where the great term get, is when you behave appropriately. So I basically got out of the full body restraints by being very quiet and being very contained and by um, not shouting. And, uh, you know, but the, the shouting in that, like I didn't really have control over the what I was shouting because I was psychotic at the time. Yeah. I have a very... Um, you know, photographic memory of uh, my psychiatrist sitting beside me while I was shouting, trying to explain to him. Um, And I was having delusions that my psychiatrist was this boy that I had a crush on, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that all of this made sense. Oh, I see. So, so he's become him, you know, so I was really confused. I wasn't well. So you have these massive hallucinations Mm -hmm. then. You know, because you talked about you thought you'd seen angels and 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 and, and various other things in the nurse's eyes, uh, and and now you think that this psychiatrist is a, a boyfriend that's come to what rescue you? From, well, I don't know. From, I didn't get that far in my uh, fantasy. Oh, uh, fair enough. You know, but but uh, so I was delusional. There's just no denying it. You know, and and I uh, probably at the time wasn't admitting that I was ill. Um, it took me a long, long time to to get to the point where I acknowledged that what was going on with me was was that I was psychiatrically ill, you know, because the first few admissions and that, I, I was just playing at it. Yeah, you were in complete it. denial. And I was, yeah. I was misunderstood yeah. because I was an artist and I was, you know, an external person. I was an anarchist. I was an external person to this regular society, these yeah, yeah. normal people, the boring middle class who live in suburbia. That's who these people were. And no wonder they didn't understand me. So it never uh, um, uh, came into my consciousness that I was unwell. But now that I was in the full body restraints and that I was having these hallucinations, I started to recognize. Wow! I think they're two huge clues, aren't well, they? Yeah, to kind yeah. of say there's something not wrong, yeah. not right with you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, you, you, we said earlier in one of the in, in the last podcast actually that um, you thought that the patient saw you as a monster. Well, I think that's probably dramatic. You know, monster is fairly fairly evocative word, but I was definitely somebody that people were steering clear of. I was definitely somebody that people were talking behind my back mm-hmm. because I would come into a group and suddenly this, the talk would stop, you know. So, so, um, but it was no different than what we did with other people, like you know, somebody who came in who'd just tried to hang themselves and had you know um, rope burns around their neck, um, you know, that we would all gossip about them. So it was no different than I was being gossiped about mm-hmm. as well. So you're on the receiving end of it. This That's time. right. Now, it must be difficult for them, uh, like you said, there were some people there before, and, and I don't know whether you'd be able to answer this question, but I think it, from this side of the medication cart, it needs asking. You said there were familiar faces in there. You'd seen some of, some, some of the patients before. Do you think their attitude changed to, towards you? Because one minute you, you're in there because uh, you think you're you know, the second coming of Christ, and they go, oh, that's her who thought she was the second coming of Christ. And now you come in and you're entirely disrupting the ward. 
Yeah, I think that people change towards me. There's no denying that. Uh Um, You know, um, I went from being social and able to have a good conversation and share a fag with to somebody who would I would sit in the corner and rock, Mm. you know, Mm. Um, and, you know, in some ways I was I Mm. was highly influenced by films like The Exorcist. I was highly influenced by films like um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you know, so I was I was um, acting out archetypal mental illness problems, Mm. you know, um, head in hands. You know, I was I was a pinup girl for psychiatric illness so what next you are in there you've been chained to the bed they've they've uh, took you out the restraints they've put you in your room uh looked on every 15 minutes checked on to make sure that you're all right you're brought back onto the ward you go to the ward meetings what happens next kate well as i say i got myself up a few stages over the next few days the next week or so but what happens next is my psychiatric team my head nurse, um, prime nurse, as she was called, um, she came to me and she said, Kate, it's pretty obvious that you being discharged to your mother and sisters isn't working out, you know, and maybe they are part of the problem, which I'd never really thought of before. I thought that the home life situation was part of the problem, but um, my mother and sister were support systems. But anyhow, the nurse said, you know, maybe, maybe this is all part of the problem. You come back from Vancouver and before you know it, when you're at home, you end up in hospital. So she said, what we're going to do is we're going to try and find you housing that is not at your mother and sister's. And I immediately thought, what a great idea. What a great idea. I will move out on my own. I will be independent again. Mm -hmm. I will be um, able to be my hippy-dippy self um, and whatnot. And I won't be dependent on my mother and sister. This is an excellent idea. And so she, the the prime nurse, brought some pamphlets for um, an organization called Hostile Housing. And I made a joke that hostile housing, hostile housing, why are you going to send me to hostile housing? And she laughed and, you know, because I was funny. Um, But no, it was hostile housing. I'll never forget that. And uh, before we knew it, we had put in an application for a house that was in um, Willowdale, which was a community near where my father had his chiropractic um, practice. So I thought, this is an excellent idea. This is going to work out beautifully. I'll be near my dad if I need anything. And um, we put in the application, and it took maybe a week. And I really don't know what my mother and sister thought of this idea, but they, they were going with what the hospital said, and they were supporting me. So within maybe a week, it didn't take long, I was accepted to this hostel housing, the house in Willowdale. And in this house were three or four other people who had psychiatric problems as well. So that's why we all got accepted into this low-rent house. So they went... I, from this side of the medication, you know, you're going to tell me you're going to a, a hostel... Um, which has got a different t- connotation altogether in, in, in England. It does in Canada uh, as well. It's a hostel. It's kind of halfway house between mm-hmm. here, here and nowhere mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people spend years in hostels trying to move on and trying to, uh, you know, progress back into a normal life. So this was um, a, ha- a shared house with people with mental health challenges like yourself. Exactly. Did you know that at the time? I did indeed. 
I did indeed, but I agreed with the, the hospital staff that there was obviously something wrong in the scenario of releasing me to my family, you know, and maybe my family were part of the problem, which mm. is, there's a lot of truth in that. There was a lot of turmoil going on in my family at the time. Um, but anyhow, I, uh, before I knew it, was discharged to this hostel house. And I went to the house and there was a girl there who was like uh, nominated to show me around and introduce me to people. And I remember that there was a guy sat at the kitchen table um, having tomato soup. And I thought that was really interesting because my mother and I had bought some groceries on the way to this house and we had bought three or four cans of tomato soup. So when you say, it, this seems again to have happened really quickly. It did indeed. Everything that's happening to, with you, your mental health is happening really quickly. It's as though uh, your family went, well, I don't want her, so let's put her into hospital. And the hospital saying, well, we don't want her, let's put her into one of these houses with other people who've got mental health challenges. Uh, it, so it's all happening very, very quickly. Did you see this place before you actually moved in? No. So they went, you're going there, yep. get some groceries. Mm-hmm. How did your family feel about this when you say, me and my mother turned up with some groceries? Where's the bit where you and your mother went shopping? Well, uh, I got discharged from hospital right, and on the okay. way on the way to the house. Yeah. We went shopping and my mother had brought me some furniture because we knew that in the um, uh, uh, bedroom there was just a bed Mm. and it wasn't even a bed, it was a mattress on the floor. So that was all I was being provided with. So my mother in the back of her car had a little chest of drawers. Wow. And, uh, you know, and I never thought to go get groceries, you know, or anything like that. But my mother, you know, in her wisdom said, we'll stop and we'll get you supplied up. And so that's what we did. And I know, have to ask in, some... in this house, it, there was no shared food. You had to supply for yourself. And so my mum made me buy toothpaste and toothbrush and, you know, and uh, and get geared up. I have to ask, though, from this side of the medication cart, when you said, I never thought to go and get groceries, mm. where did you think you were going? Well, I thought I was going to Willowdale. To this nice house. To a nice house, and everything would be better, you know. And but everything would be there, bed, food, toothpaste. No, I didn't think that. No, but it ne- never occurred to you. To it never occurred. No, what I thought was I'll check in, ah, okay, so to speak, yeah. and then I will get my bearings, and then I'll go grocery shopping. Got you. I've but got my you. mother, in her wisdom, with her car to help carry groceries, we went grocery shopping on the way there. Mm-hmm. And the, the point of the story is, is that we bought tomato soup, because I wasn't a very good cook. And we bought tomato soup. And when I got to the house, there was a gentleman sat at the kitchen table eating tomato soup. So I took that as a sign that everything was going to be fine. Another sign. Oh, everything was a sign. Yeah. <laughs> Another sign that everything's There was a be grocery fine. store. It's a sign. Yeah. So what have you got in there? You've got a mattress on the floor, a chest of drawers mm-hmm. that your mum's bought you. Mm-hmm. And is that it? No, my mother also in her wisdom, because my mother was trying so hard to help me, right? My mother had brought curtains because there was a window. So there was no curtains up at this there place? There was a curtain rail with uh, with the little things that you hook onto. Mm-hmm. And my mother had brought curtains with hooks and she hung up the curtains. And she carried in the chest of drawers. I'm sure I helped her, but, you know, my mother was bound and determined that her so she knew what kind of place you were going to she was better informed yeah in a way than i was you know and uh 
And I'm not sure how she felt about this, whether this she thought this was a good idea for me, but I was bound and I was determined that I was going to go there and I was going to, quote, quote, get better, and then I was going to get a job and um, I was going to live happily ever after. And I wasn't going to get a job as a bank teller, which is what my family were all going, why don't you become a bank teller? You know, I was going to get a job as an actress and so I would have to waitress for a while. Have they given you uh, loads of medication to take with you at this point? You, uh, they you... give. They gave me um, a prescription. Yeah. Which my mother and sister, my mother, my mother and I had to fulfill. Yeah. Again, on the way to the um, house, mm -hmm. and we had to pay for. No, no, no. I I stand corrected. Um, I was now on a medication that, with my welfare. Uh, uh, proof yep. I didn't have to pay for. So you're on welfare. You are technically living in what we call a hostel mm -hmm. with five other people. Four. Four other people. Mm -hmm. You've got somebody there, a girl who's in charge of it. She's like the house mother, if you like. Yeah, correct. Uh, you've got groceries. You've got a single mattress on the floor. Mm -hmm. You've got curtains up, thanks to your mother. Uh -huh. And you've got a chest of drawers and a suitcase full of clothing, I presume? Presuming correctly. And this is your first night in your new home. It is. Okay, I want to leave it there. <gasps> Again, it's a fascinating journey that you're on. Oh, man. I want to leave it there. What? I've so much to tell I'm you. I'm sure you have, and we've got plenty of time to tell it. And our listeners out there in podcast land cannot wait. I know that. But I want to leave it there. But again, I will ask you, like I ask you normally uh, at the end of each podcast, you are now on your own. You're now independent. You are now living by yourself, we think. How does that feel? I was intimidated. I would like to say that I was excited. I would like to say that I thought, oh, finally, I'm out of this mess. But I was actually quite trepidatious when I met the people that I was living with. They all looked like they were people who struggled with their mental health. Would I never get away from it? So there you are, intimidated and scared all at the same time. Thank mm -hmm. you very much, Kate, for your openness and your honesty. This is Bill from this side of the cart saying thank you. Thank you. That was another episode of Bill and Kate, both sides of the medication cart. Kate is now finally out of hospital after all those admissions and being chained to a bed, and she's now living independently. Join us next time when we'll find out how she gets on living in a group home with four other people that have mental health problems. Bill and Kate, both sides of the medication cart.